Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.43 a.m. It is the 9th of October in the year of our Lord 2020. This is episode 300 of Bitcoin and I really wanted to bring you the audio of a movie clip from the movie The 300 because a fight is coming. I didn't do it because it's a little, I don't know, it was, I mean, if you've seen the movie 300, you know how over the top everything is, so nah, I wasn't going to do it. But you know what I'm getting at? I mean, come on. I mean, it's... I wanted to do it, but I didn't because I thought I'd be a little bit more responsible. Um, I'm going to do my level best uh, to not get triggered in today's show because I'm probably going to get triggered uh, given some of the stories that are out. Um, and I'm probably going to go on an Alex Jones style rant. I will do everything in my power to make deadly sure that I don't do that, but I'm just giving you fair warning, okay? If you've got kids in the car, uh, shield their eyes and ears, okay? Because the the things that are coming our way are not pretty. And we gotta, we're gonna have to face this music and we need to do it right now. Not later, not tomorrow. We need to, hopefully we were all thinking about this since the day that we got into this. If we, if you haven't, today is the day to start thinking about what you will do when this fight comes to your doorstep. I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about it. I still don't have an answer. Not really. I mean, I think I know what I would do, but uh, what you would do, like everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? I mean, that's, that's the famous line from Mike, you know, Mike Tyson who probably didn't actually develop that thing himself. It was probably his boxing coach or something like that. But truer words were never spoken. The fight is coming. And you can say you're going to do X and you can say you're going to do Y. But until you get leveled, punched in the face, then and only then will you know what you will actually do. That punch is coming. There's not anything that I can do to shield anybody from it. I'm going to be doing my level best to make sure that I don't get knocked the fuck out because it's going to come to you. It's going to come to me. It's going to come to all of us. But before we get all into the sappy nitty gritty of all of that, let's have a little story, a little short story that's brought to you by our good friend, psychedelic El Barto at psychedelic Bart, who If you're not following, I'm here to inform you that you are clearly doing it wrong because if you haven't seen the gold that this account, this Twitter account is, then yeah, you're, you've been missing out, bro. 
missing out. That is at psychedelic Bart, all one word. There's no misspellings. There's no weirdness, just psychedelic Bart, right? Okay, so he he starts off our, our short story this morning with uh, something from a guy named Jeff Green, at Jeff the Dunker, who says on October the 7th, I bought an irresponsible amount of Brie tonight. Oh, it's a cash tag, so it's cash tag B-R-E-E. I, I, I think that has something to do with something called breed coin. I had never heard of it before. But okay, I, it doesn't matter that I haven't heard about it. Clearly, Jeff the Dunker has heard about it, liked it so much that he went irresponsible amounts of all in. And then the very next screenshot that Psychedelic Bart provides us is the ETH Brie pair that goes from, oh, it's going to be about 4.6 ETH per Brie and drops all the way down within, let's see, an hour, 45, like I'm looking at 15 minute candles. There's three red dildos uh, that start at 4.6, 4.7, something like that, uh, and goes all the way down to 0.7. That that's a 85.64% loss in 24 hours. Irresponsible. So let's what so what's the reaction from Jeff the Dunker? Well, he says, looks like we got rugged by Bree at Coin Breeder. Uh, I bought 12.5 ETH worth over the last several days. Anyways. We've had the developers doxxed for quite some time. Sufficient evidence suggests. I'm not going to say the name, but they give a proper name, uh, is our guy. And then to make sure that the docs sticks, he not only tags this person's Twitter account, but also links to the guy's LinkedIn.com account. I mean, yeah, I'm actually starting to use LinkedIn more. Uh, generally speaking, most, a lot of people that I know don't use LinkedIn, but I mean, it is what it is. A lot of people do use LinkedIn, and now they've got this poor developer's uh, LinkedIn account up on this uh, on this tweet. Now, thankfully, this this was the very next day. Obviously, this is October the eighth, so within twenty four hour period, he went all in. Bree, totally irresponsible, lost eighty five percent of his shit within twenty four hours, and then proceeds to dock some guy. So, thankfully, this Jeff the Dunker guy. He he took he actually deleted this particular tweet, but because of screenshot technology, our short story lives in infamy. So let's talk about good news. Clearly, you've heard you've heard. I don't. I'm not going to be the first one to tell you this, right? Twitter's Jack Dorsey reveals how and why Square invested fifty million dollars into a block of nearly five thousand Bitcoin. Shalini is, yeah, Shalini Nagarajan, Nagarajan, yeah, Shalini Nagarajan. I'm going to go with that. Okay, let's, let's, let's do it, bro. This was written sometime very early this morning. Good Lord. Yeah, very early this morning. (coughs) (coughs) Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Oh, and before I do that, my apologies for not coming to you with the Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday show. No, I did not die of COVID. Clearly I'm, I'm here. Do I have COVID? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I mean, I, 
I chalk it up to having a, either a bad cold or a mild flu. You know why? Because those still exist in the world, okay? We have to stop being scared shitless all the time about COVID. If you start coughing and you feel bad, that does not mean rush immediately into thinking that you have brain cancer, okay, or COVID. Maybe you just have a cold. You know what triggers a good cold or a, or a mild or a bad flu? Temperature changes. I went from 64 degrees for like two or three days. It was between 72 and I think it got all the way down to 61 one day and then shot up the very next day to 93 degrees. That will trigger getting sick. I guarantee it. So I'm not dead. Pretty sure I don't have COVID. I feel much better, clearly. So here we go with the Twitter story. Twitter chief executive Jack Dorsey has laid out how payment company Square invested $50 million into a block of nearly 5,000 Bitcoins on Thursday. Quote, more important than Square investing $50 million in Bitcoin is sharing how we did it so others can do the same. <laughs> you enabler, you. Dorsey intends to make Bitcoin, which he believes will one day become the world's single currency more accessible and useful to millions of people through Square's Cash App. Square's treasury team executed the over-the-counter transaction with a Bitcoin broker that already works with Cash App's trading product, the company said in a white paper. To reduce the cost and pricing risks, the team carried out trades using the average price of Bitcoin over a prearranged 24-hour period. An average price of $10,617 was paid for each and every single Bitcoin. Square said it invested heavily in cryptocurrency infrastructure or cold storage to protect customer funds from potential hackers. Aside from the security detail, the company said its crime insurance policy protects against internal or external theft in both digital and offline wallets. Within Square's balance sheet, the $50 million of Bitcoin investment will be classified as other non-current assets, but its short-term or long-term classification depends on the length of time for which the company plans to hold the assets. For now, the cryptocurrencies meet the definition of intangible assets under accounting principles. Square is betting on Bitcoin because it believes the currency will feature in its future as a payment company, says Jasper Lawler, head of research at London Capital Group. Quote, Cryptocurrency trading is notoriously susceptible to influencers advocating it, Lawler said. This purchase from Square could make sure 10000 remains a floor to the price, end quote. Bitcoin rose 2.8% to $10,877 on Friday. So that's how he did it. Well, that, I mean, come on, that's not really a surprise. I mean, we would, if he was like, if this was like a, a market buy, over a 24-hour period, you would have seen a price frenzy. I mean, we're getting we're getting one a pretty good one, at, you know, uh, today. Honestly, I mean, from yesterday and and continuing on today, we are we are seeing some some ser very serious movement. However, apparently that movement isn't good enough for Peter Schiff, who tweeted out yesterday. Maybe it was the day before. I don't know. He was bitching and moaning about the fact that. See, even a $50 million buy, just it just doesn't really move the price of Bitcoin. Well, that's why you buy over the counter, Peter. I mean, if you were to market buy a shit ton of gold, and I mean a shit ton, right? Not, not like a little bit, like not a couple of ounces. I'm talking like bricks of it, like a ton, right? Which like, I, 
I, I haven't done the math, but here's the way that I'm thinking about it. A $50 million purchase of Bitcoin at this price represents damn near 5,000 Bitcoin. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that said, what's the percentage of the total, I don't know, the amount of total Bitcoin that's in circulation today and thinking of the total circulation of Bitcoin uh, post, you know, 2140 or whatever it's supposed to be when the subsidy, you know, finally quits. Um, what's the pr total percentage that, uh, that Square now owns of the circulating supply? Now take that percentage and find out how many tons of gold you'd have to buy to own the same percentage of the circulating supply of gold in the world right now. And if you were to make that purchase of gold, on the open market, what would happen to the gold price? Nobody is going to do that. I mean, especially if you're going to make buys in, in a 24-hour period, if you keep signaling that you are buying gold on the open market, all you're going to do is you're going to pay a shit ton more for the last bar of gold that you buy versus the first bar of gold that you buy because you're signaling to the market that you have interest, a very deep-seated interest. If you were to do that, with the same percentage of circulating supply of gold that you were, that Jack now holds of Bitcoin in Square, you would move the market to the point that people would freak the fuck out. All right. That's why you buy OTC. So then he, he's really kind of, you know, Peter's really kind of at this point bitching about the fact that after the news broke, it didn't really move the market. Well, you know what else didn't really move the market when the news broke? BitMEX. The volatility here is, I don't know, man, it's almost like an all-time low. It's kind of bizarre, in fact. It just is. But be that as it may, this is how Square bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin. It's probably the exact same way that uh, MicroStrategy bought all their Bitcoin. I mean, they clearly didn't market buy. They were doing it OTC as well. Uh, they didn't, I don't think they went really into the amount of detail as, as Square is doing here, especially as how they're going to list it on their books, which has been that I was asking that myself, that question about MicroStrategy yesterday. It's like, what, what does that look like on a balance sheet? I mean, what, what are the new balance sheets for corporations going to be looking like? What kind of SEC filing are you going to have to have at this point? Well, is there going to be a new form? Is there going to be a form I own Bitcoin? I mean, what? The, all these questions come up. We're in a bloody turmoil right now, and everything is roiling about us, and nobody really knows what the hell's going on. But I can guarantee you this: a fight is coming. Thank now. Oh, oh, there. Oh, okay. Before I do that one, um, let me let me say this: with people like Michael Saylor, uh. The guys over at, uh, what is it, Snappa HQ, The Real Tahinis, obviously Square, the more and more of these large and small companies that decide to transfer fiat to a real reserve currency, I, I, in this case, Bitcoin, the more and more legal teams are going to be activated to defend Bitcoin. So there was a guy who said, and I can't remember who it was. He's well known on Twitter and I should remember his name, but I don't. But he made the comment that BTC is looking more and more corporate every day. And I don't know if that was a slant or I mean a, a, a spike at, at Bitcoin, you know, being a little spiteful there. I don't know. I mean, 
I no, it's it's not becoming more corporate. I I I can't tell corporations not to buy Bitcoin. Nobody can tell nobody can tell anybody else who can buy Bitcoin. Not at this point. That fights down the road. But right now, what has happened is that now Square has a fifty million dollar interest in making sure Bitcoin doesn't die. How large is their legal team? At what point does their legal team like dogs get turned onto the United States government or any government where they have standing square has standing in their judicial system? At what point do those dogs get released? What does each country or each jurisdiction have to do before Jack calls up legal and says, kill them? Can you imagine the legal, the size of the legal team at MicroStrategy? It's not like they got one lawyer. I guarantee that they haven't been in business this long because they have one lawyer. I'm, I'm telling you guys, a fight is coming and there is some serious firepower that's on this side of the wall. All right. So for those of you who are bitching and moaning about Bitcoin becoming more, looking more and more corporate every day, we may need that. We may. The fight is coming. And the first, well, actually, this isn't the first shot. There were several warning shots, but this one landed in the bow of one of the largest boats in the fleet. BitMEX CEO Hayes steps down following U.S. criminal charges. October the 8th from the Bitcoin Street Journal. This was actually, yeah, this was actually written on October the 8th. But the uh, thing, the... I don't know who it's by. It's by Bitcoin New Media. I, I, I mean, I guess I won't know who to buy a beer unless Bitcoin New Media wants to go join me at a bar and we'll, we can meet. I don't know. I hate it when they do that. Somebody, a, a human being wrote this. Please give that human being the credit for writing this and stop subsuming all of their stuff. I'm just, just saying. The company announced on Thursday that Hayes and Chief Technical Officer Samuel Reed the latter, who was arrested by the Department of Justice, recently have stepped back from all executive management responsibilities with immediate effect. Greg Dwyer, head of business development, is also taking a leave of absence. Uh, Vivian Koo, chief operating officer of 100X Group, BitMEX's parent company, takes over as interim CEO while commercial director Ben Radcliffe assumes increased client relationship responsibilities and oversight of financial products. Quote, these changes to our executive leadership means that we can focus on our core business of offering superior trading opportunities for all of our clients whilst maintaining the highest standards of corporate governance. David Wong, chairman of 100X Group, said in a statement, quote, we have an exceptional senior leadership team who are well-placed to continue the growth and development of the 100X Group, including completion of the BitMEX user verification program. <laughs> Wong added, BitMEX was, last week, charged by the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission for operating illegally and for breaching anti-money laundering rules. At the same time, the Department of Justice indicted Hayes and his leadership team for violating the Bank Secrecy Act and conspiring to violate the Bank Secrecy Act. More than 37,000 Bitcoin worth around $387 million left the exchange in 24 hours after the charges were announced as fretful investors sought to secure their funds. The post-BitMEX CEO Hayes stepped down following U.S. criminal charges appeared first on Bitcoin News. Yeah, you're going to plug yourself, aren't you? So there it is. 
Hayes is has stepped down along with uh, who Samuel Reed was it Samuel yeah Samuel Reed who by the way is out on bond I think it's five million dollars is what the bond is which means he's got to put up what ten percent so that's what five hundred thousand um, dollars you know and he's probably a flight I'm, I'm well I was thinking that he was a flight risk um, because you know why because he can walk across the border with all his wealth stored in his head. Just, just saying, right? It's time to start learning how to use the weapon. It's, it's like, I own a gun. <laughs> yeah, you're more likely to shoot yourself in the foot than do any real damage to those who are about to attack you. Why? Not because I don't believe owning a gun is good. I do. I am, I am all for the Second Amendment, okay? But still, without proper training, then that gun is as good to you as a stick. If you don't know how to take the safety off of an AK-47, you ain't going to be shooting, said AK-47. Now, are you? If you don't know how to aim well, then you're going to just rattle off a whole shit ton of very expensive ammunition and not hit a damn thing. Why? Because you weren't trained. If you go, if you have made it all the way through that and don't know how to reload, you know, basically exchange your clip. If you don't know how to reload your clip, if you don't know what caliber goes into an AK-47, you're screwed. What you have is an expensive metal stick. We have Bitcoin. Do we really know how to use it? How far have we dug? How much have we trained with the weapon that is Bitcoin? I'm just putting that out there, man, because the fight is coming. That was the first shot that really landed hard. Most of the other exchanges that have been like looked at is because after a failure, this is one of the most successful Bitcoin exchanges that ever was. It was one of the very first. They've always operated above board. They've always been, ex- except for listing shit coins. But I mean, if you're not listing the shit coins, you don't have much of an exchange. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't like shit coins either, guys. but at least BitMEX has been above board and has been for Bitcoin since day one, since their first day, right? They've always been good. BitMEX uh, research, one of, the, one of the best places to find information on Bitcoin. While we still have these folks here, we should be using them to help train us on how to use the weapon. These guys, as long as they last, and everybody else, we need training. We need to continually train. Even if you are the most hardcore Bitcoiner and know all the ins and outs, I guarantee you there's something that you don't know. And tomorrow, there will be something else that you don't know. And the day after that will be one more freaking thing that you don't know how to do. Because that's the way this shit rolls. And if you're not prepared to roll with the shit, you're going to get squished. Okay, so now let's get into the, the, the real one here. This is about the travel rule. Okay, this is BTC Times, and it is written by Andrew Yang, and I really like Andrew's stuff. This is actually all the way back on the 5th. Now, the 5th, if I remember right, was Monday, and that was the last show that I did. So I did not see this story. I think it came out right after I I published, but we're going to do it on June the 30th. The Financial Action Task Force released the outcomes of the June uh, FATF plenary, that is the FATF, or the Financial Action Task Force. 
a report that concluded a 12-month review of cryptocurrency businesses as they prepare for the travel rule and its extended information sharing requirements. The result back then that the, the FATF would extend the preparation period by another 12 months, allowing the industry more time to become compliant with the travel rule and avoid penalties. The year-long extension did not come as a surprise. Quote, I expect FATF to only reiterate their guideline expectations on member countries during the plenary. This will help ensure that more VASPs, or virtual asset service providers, can work with greater confidence towards firm travel rule compliance deadlines in each country following the June plenary, said Michael O, CEO of Cool Bidex, on June the 9th prior to the June plenary report. Another extension of the preparation period, however, is unlikely, according to David Regelnig. Ah, whatever. Head of risk management at Bitcoin Suisse AG, quote, from the regulator's point of view, they've granted one more year to implement the travel rule and they see the industry is moving. I expect regulations to come into effect at least mid next year, he told the BTC Times. So what is the FATF? The Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering sets international standards to prevent money laundering and terrorist financing. Its primary objective is to develop and enforce FATF recommendations. Note the word enforce. Well, okay. I'm not going to go Alex Jones, man. (sighs) Enforce FATF recommendations, which describe a comprehensive plan for a globally coordinated effort to identify the transfer of funds for illicit purposes. So what is the travel rule? The travel rule was first created in the United States on May the 28th, 1996 through the Bank Secrecy Act. It's the same act that Arthur Hayes and crew have been indicted on by the Department of Justice in the United States. Okay, the Bank Secrecy Act and conspiracy to commit or conspiracy to uh, negate the Bank Secrecy Act. It's very serious charges there. It was issued by the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN. The rule requires all intermediary financial institutions to share customer information with one another for fund transfers exceeding $3,000. The type of information that must be provided include the name, address, and the bank account number of the sender. With the emergence of Bitcoin, a new unregulated asset class has stepped into the picture and continues to draw interest from both young and established financial institutions. In light of this, the FATF is currently developing new standards for virtual asset service providers, or VASPs, to comply with the travel rule. On June the 21st, 2019, the FATF update updated the existing FATF recommendation number 16 to include the FATF travel rule specifically to address the challenges law enforcement faces in monitoring and identifying the use of cryptocurrency for money laundering or terrorist financing. Jesus Christ, this is for the fucking children, people. This new travel rule is similar to the audit regulations of the United States Bank Secrecy Act, but extends the obligation to cryptocurrency transfers worldwide. The travel rule applies to businesses that exchange, transfer, or safe keep cryptocurrencies as well as those who provide financial services related to cryptocurrencies. Quote, if you custody, process, or exchange crypto, you're a VASP. But if you're a wallet software provider, you might be excluded, says David Riggling, whatever, told the BTC Times. 
But what about decentralized exchanges and lending protocols that facilitate transactions through smart contracts? Well, quote, FATF is increasingly thinking about this space, especially with the recent DeFi frenzy, sorry, frenzy, frenzy, ringling ning shared. That's the guy's name that I never be able to pronounce. If a smart contract is controlled by humans through administrative keys, it's very possible that they will be treated as intermediaries in quote, privacy enhancing services such as coin join providers, according to Ring, likely have no reason to worry about the travel rules. They don't typically control the private keys of coin join participants. With the FATF <clears throat> extending its review period by another 12 months, uh, the travel rule is anticipated to be enforced by June 2021. Get that through your head, people. Next summer. Okay? Next summer. That's what they're thinking, that this shit's going to go down next summer. We've got, what? That many months to prepare. All right, so what, uh, eight? We've got eight months to get ready for this shit. What will you do in eight months? I don't know what I'm going to do in eight months. I'm going to lo- the only thing that I can do is learn as much as I possibly can, as quickly as I possibly can, and become very, very proficient with that which I learn. That's all I can do. At least do that. At least, you know, run your, if you're not running a full node, run it now. Fit, make sure that it's running over Tor. We need to learn exactly what that means, not just what, you know, Matt O'Dell tells us it means. You got to learn for yourself so that you feel comfortable knowing you really are running your shit over tour. Second, become very proficient at using at least three wallets and all three of those wallets should probably, one of them, okay, should probably be just a hot wallet on your phone that just holds a little bit of Bitcoin, but at least two need to actually be wallets that are connected to your full node. And that's where you keep your Bitcoin. Okay. I'm just saying, if we're not, if we're not going to learn how to use the weapon that we've been given, then we are going to lose. So continuing to the very last part of this story, therefore customers of cryptocurrency businesses that operate in one of FATF's 39 participating member states should expect personally identifiable information to be collected and shared should they transfer cryptocurrency from one institution to another. This includes countries such as the United States, the United Kingdom, China, and Japan. However, the travel rule will have an impact on businesses all over the world as members may choose not to interact with those who aren't compliant. Quote, it's true that FATF requirements are binding only to member states, but in reality, they are effective beyond this group. After this migration period, no transfers will be done with VASPs in countries that are non-cooperative. Let me repeat what they said. Non-cooperative countries. Ooh, see, that's, that language is the language of war. Make no mistake, I'm, I'm, this is not fucking hyperbole, people. This fight's coming. It's going to get rammed down our throats. You going to fight? Are we going to know how? Those are the only two questions, I guess. You can simply not risk your license for that wriggly-gliggling concluded. You corporate suck-up. Okay. Again, really trying, really trying here, people, but it's hard because U.S. Attorney General lays out a plan to crack down on crypto 
Matthew DeSalvo writing this one yesterday for Decrypt.co and says the U.S. Attorney General today released a report examining the dangers, the dangers posed by cryptocurrencies. William Barr announced the release of the office's, quote, cryptocurrency enforcement framework, which provides an overview of the threats and enforcement challenges related to increasing crypto adoption and how the Department of Justice can deal with them. The 83-page document lays out the perceived dangers of cryptocurrencies, mainly that they are being used by criminals, according to the DOJ. Of course, I'm a criminal. I've never been arrested. I have zero arrest record. If, if, if I get pulled over by a cop and they bring up like my rap sheet, you know what it says? Bupkis, that's what it says. Never, ever, ever been arrested doing anything. Not a fucking criminal. Quote, today, few technologies are more potentially transformative and disruptive and more potentially susceptible to abuse than cryptocurrency, the report read. Quote, indeed, despite its relatively brief existence, cryptocurrency technology plays a role in many of the most significant criminal and national security threats that the United States faces, it continued, adding that cryptocurrency is increasingly being used to, you guessed it, buy drugs on the internet, launder dirty funds, and fund terrorist groups. You forgot the children, man. I can't believe you forgot the children. Whatever. The report also said that criminals can avoid being traced by using cryptocurrency instead of fiat and request digital assets to pay for illicit goods, such as, oh, here's the child, such as child pornography or weapons, seemingly ignoring the fact that cash is used for much of the same while crypto is transacted across transparent public ledgers. But the report also said that crypto can be beneficial to the U.S. if used wisely means used in the way they want it to be used. Quote, to promote public safety and protect national security, all stakeholders from private industry to regulators, elected officials, and individual cryptocurrency users will need to take steps to ensure cryptocurrency is not used as a platform for illegality, it said. Indeed, for cryptocurrency to realize its truly transformative potential, it is imperative that these risks be addressed. In his statement, Attorney Barr said that cryptocurrencies are, quote, vitally important to the U.S. and its allies as long as it does not imperil public safety. What did all that say? It means it's there. It, this is the whole, what was it, FDR? I can't remember. It was one of the presidents said, speak softly and carry a big stick. That's what Barr and the FATF are doing. Well, the FATF is actually kind of swinging their dick a little bit at this point, but the U.S. attorney here, he's got that stick behind his back. And he's like, you know, he's kind of like threatening it in a way, but still like looking at us going, you guys are important. Work with us. Don't work with them. Don't trust them. Let them die. That is all I can say about this. And still, God it's hard not to go on the rant. Dutch Central Bank approves first crypto service under AMLD5 regulations. Benjamin Pyrus writing this for Cointelegraph.com sometime early this morning. <coughs> the Netherlands has imposed tight regulations related to EU anti-money laundering laws. Okay, shots being fired all around us. If you can't hear them, then you are deaf. And if you are deaf, you will be the first one wiped out when the tanks roll over. Okay? The Central Bank of the Netherlands, Bank NV, or the DNB, has granted AMDAX BV the ability to operate under its jurisdiction. This marks 
The first time a digital asset asset company has been approved in the country following the introduction of strict new regulations that saw many crypto-related businesses close or leave the Netherlands, called regulatory arbitrage, bro. Receiving official registration from the governing body means Amdax BV, an Amsterdam-based digital asset service company, can now give Dutch residents access to its offerings, according to an October 7th brief from Finextra. The company told Cointelegraph in a statement, quote, Amdax BV has been registered by the DNB as the first provider of crypto services in the Netherlands. This enables Amdax to process crypto transactions and store cryptocurrencies. Fintech for, oh, sorry, end quote. Fintech firms in the Netherlands must abide by European Union regulations, which have tightened significantly over the past few years, including its updated anti-money laundering law known as the fifth AMLD or the AMLD-5. In September 2019, the DNB ordered any crypto-involved entities to register with the bank, noting January 2020 as the starting point for any approval request. Catering to institutions as well as individuals, Amdax BV began its journey toward AMLD-5 approval back in May, Finextra reported. Although other crypto companies have previously operated in the country, the new AMLD-5 laws caused such entities to close or move. Regulatory arbitrage. I'll say it for the people in the back. Regulatory arbitrage. Popular crypto derivatives platform Deribit left the Netherlands in January of 2020. You're losing your brain drain. Can you say it? Amdax BV is reportedly the first digital asset firm registered under the new regulatory structure. DNB justly applies high standards for this registration Amdax BV co-founder Valentino Cremona said, quote, the market needs clear legal frameworks such as the set of requirements of DNB. He added, this registration shows investors that crypto is a mature asset class. No, it's not. Not for criminals, but for smart investors. Oh, criminals. Oh, where's the children? Where's the children? Amdax BV further noted in its statement that, quote, all Crypto companies need to get this registration. Without it, they can't operate in the Netherlands. The other Dutch crypto companies have up till uh, November the 21st to receive registration, In quote. Regulatory oversight has also tightened in other regions with regulators in the U.S. recently going after crypto derivatives exchange BitMEX. So uh, there you go. Now, I'm honestly, guys, I'm actually, I'm not as much, I'm not, I'm not really upset. Why? Because we all knew this was coming. It's not like it wasn't telegraphed. And even if it wasn't telegraphed, we knew. And we still know to this day what we are doing. We're going to attack the beast. We're either going to win or we're not. There's not going to be an in-between. I mean, that we, you may say, well, of course there's going to be an in-between. Yeah, how long is it going to last? I mean, it's, it's either all or nothing in my opinion. And I think I've, I think I've, I've, I've skirted off the, the Alex Jones rant. Thank God. I really didn't want to do that. But if you're not, and I'm not saying be worried. I'm just saying we got to know our shit. We got to know it tight, real tight, like masters not not masters of memes that's always fun but at this point 
we're going to have to dive and dive deep, really, really deep into learning how to use all of the weaponry that we've been given that we will continue to get. I mean, there, like, for instance, there may be a time that I can't buy a cold card. What should I do? I should probably buy five. I, I may need, like, a, like, to get, I mean, just a blank ledger and a blank. Well, actually, I'm not even, I'm not probably never going to buy another ledger, but maybe a treasure. I don't know. I've never used one before, but people really seem to like it. And, you know, maybe a couple of different wallet technologies and get them now and keep them in a lockbox because I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the future holds for you, for me, for us. But one thing that I'm pretty certain about, a fight is coming with the people that you don't want to fight with. The people that seemingly seem stronger. The people that have all the weaponry and know how to use it. Whether it's physical weapons or legal weapons or a stroke of a pen or executive orders. or And they have... All the police officers and, and sheriff's departments all in their back pocket because they control all the funding. If you're going to not arrest this person, then I'm going to cut your funding. Sea change is happening right before our eyes. We're either going to win or we're going to lose. But for right now, let's run the number. Let's start with that which the beast will protect the most. We got to do the futures, bro. Energy futures look like this. Oil's down almost a point. Brent is down ah, three quarters of a point. Uh, We're looking at uh, uh, West Texas Intermediate, a barrel going for $40.83 U.S. Brent going for $43.03 U.S. Natural gas doing its weird thing. It's up damn near four. Well, actually, it's over four points now. Uh, $2.73 is going to buy you a thousand cubic feet of the stinky stuff. Metals are all up. And I mean, up in glorious fashion, as, as according to Peter Schiff. <coughs> or I, well, okay, he didn't say that, but I'm thinking that that's what he's thinking. Gold is up 1.26%. So it's opening uh, around like $1,919 at the moment anyway. Uh, silver's up two over two and a half points, uh, $24.50 uh, $24 for an ounce of that. Platinum is up 2.6% also, 886 bucks will get you an ounce of platinum. Copper, well, let's forget it. Let's just do the index futures because this is the other part of the story that the beast will try to protect. Although it's meh, Dow futures are up 0.4%. Uh, S&P is up 0.4, NASDAQ futures are up 0.36, and the S&P mini is up 0.7. So so there you go. Now, let's talk about the thing that pisses these people off, Bitcoin. $11,049.63. I got a high at bid asset of $11,072. I got a low, it's going to be at, yeah, hit BTC is going to have it at 11,035 and a quarter. So 309,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours. That's almost 13,000 transactions on average per hour. Almost 2 million BTC has changed hands in that 24-hour period. 
meaning that every hour on average, 83,000 BTC were sent. 6.4 BTC is the average transaction value and the median transaction value is 0.047 or about 515 bucks. Block times are a bit high, 10 minutes and 35 seconds. 0.8 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and 111.8 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the past 24 hours. My God, we've had a decrease of 0.25%, but we are still at 148.8 exahashes per second. Holy shit. We're at 148.5 exahashes per second, and we still have block times of 10 minutes and now 50 seconds on average. Whoa, dude. So the, clearly that one of these numbers is, is, isn't updating along with the other one. And I suspect that it's probably the hash rate. We've probably lost some hash rate. We just don't know it yet. Uh, but be that as it may, I'm not all that worried about it. Ethereum is at 359. Bcash is at 238. Litecoin is at 47. BSV is at who gives a shit. Ethereum Classic is at 5.3. And Doge is at 0 0.0026. At 36,000 transactions, it walks all over Ethereum Classic. Uh, and Bcash. Bcash has seen a spike in its transactions, though, 20,000 over the last 24 hours. Litecoin, I don't know, man, 104,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. So I don't know. I, I, I still, I, nobody's told me what's going on with Litecoin. I don't know if this is a fluke. <clears throat> it is what it is. Clark Moody, what do you have to say? Well, it appears he's looking at a price of $11,066. That will means that for every dollar that you spend, you can get, you and your family, 9,037 Satoshis. <laughs> yeah, baby. Okay, Lightning Network. The total capacity is 1,093. So we've lost some, but the capacity remains the same at $12.1 million worth of liquidity across seven and a, what, 7,510 nodes representing 37,307 channels. Uh, percentage of the Tor capacity stands at 49.7%. That means that there is roughly 543 BTC on the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and that's 2,466 Tor nodes. That's gonna do it for vitals. As I read this story, please, in the back of your mind, have the song Blue Moon playing. Okay, so Blue Wallet integrates PayJoin to boost user privacy. Okay, right there, I'm going to stop. Okay, well, okay, hold up. Will Heisman is writing this for BTC Times, but hold up. Let me read that again. Blue Wallet integrates PayJoin to boost user privacy. What do you know about PayJoin? What do I know about PayJoin? This is what I mean by being able to use the weaponry that we've been given, that we continue to be given. I don't know what PayJoin is. I need to find out what PayJoin is. I mean, I'm, okay, I know what it is, but exactly how it works. Am I good? I've never made a, a PayJoin payment. I, in a way, I don't know what it is because I haven't actually done it. And if I do it once, will I be comfortable with it? No. I'll have to do it several times. I mean, at this point, I'm going to have to burn some money to figure out how, you know, to make sure that I not only that you know how it works, but that you can execute 
like clockwork. Just like the next block is going to come in, you and me and all of us have to be able to do all these things like clockwork. Okay. So Will Heisman writing this one again sometime, yeah, I guess yesterday. Blue Wallet, a Bitcoin-based mobile wallet just shipped its latest update. Among a litany of fixes, the wallet now allows users to mix coins, conferring additional transaction privacy. The inbuilt mixer, known as PayJoin, is a CoinJoin variant occurring between two parties that obscures transaction origins, making them harder, harder to trace. Blue Wallet CEO Nuno, or is it Nuno or Nuno? N-U-N-O, I, I guess it's Nuno Colho, told the BTC Times that the integration comes thanks to a six-months-long effort of various open-source tinkerers and developers quoted as a no-brainer in terms of implementation. It provides a good level of privacy, not only for those using it, but also for the entire network in the future, Colo or Colho added. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, sir. It, I, it is unintentional. I promise. It's This is just, it's not even a shtick. I just, as an American and being in a multinational environment, it's very, very difficult. Generally speaking, I am in a position that many of my friends that I grew up with, certainly my father and my mother have never found them in. I know people from all over the place. I am trying to pronounce words from, you know, names of people that live or were born in, you know, a minimum of a hundred different countries. So I don't do it on purpose and I don't do it for shtick. If you want to make fun of me for it, that's totally fine because that's sort of like, you know, hey, kind of flattering, but I don't mean to do it on purpose. Okay. I just want to make sure that that's clear. The update comes shortly after the Financial Action Task Force, an intergovernmental, intergovernmental anti-money laundering organization, issued a report on the so-called red flag indications of criminal behavior in crypto. The FATF emphasizes, quote, transactions making use of mixing and tumbling services among the various and somewhat vague warning signs of money laundering. That's sort of where the FATF was on the red flag shit. To top it off, on Monday, Europe's crime watchdog, Europol, specifically named privacy-enhanced wallet services using CoinJoin concepts as a, quote, top threat. Top threat, bro. This is top, top threat. For Colho, the agencies are looking in the wrong damn place. I believe FATF concerns are related to money laundering, which is something happening in local currencies and on the legacy banking system at a much larger scale than what happens on Bitcoin, Colho explained. Damn skippy, bro. Quote, PayJoin itself is a regular Bitcoin transaction that happens to break some assumptions on how transactions are made, particularly that all inputs belong to the sender, and that's a good thing. End quote. Though stigmatized for their use in money laundering, mixing services and coin joins remain completely legal. There are, after all, many harmless reasons why one might deploy a coin join, financial privacy chief among them. Blue Wallet is also planning on implementing multi-signature transactions within its mobile wallet to enable a group of two or more people to sign a single transaction, providing an extra layer, sorry, providing an extra layer of security. Quote, the first phase is deployed and in beta testing at the moment. This can, or this includes importing wallets and spending features. The next phase is the wallet creation and quorums that are under development at the moment. The goal is to bring a free, open-source, multi-sig solution that anyone can easily learn 
and used to exponentially increase their security standards. So there you go. Thank you, Will Heisman, for that. Um, Blue Wallet, when it first came out, got a lot of flack for being custodial, and now it's not because I can link Blue Wallet to my uh, to my node from the good people at at my node BTC. Um, <clears throat> not a plug. Nobody pays me. Um, so therefore, it can be custodial. It doesn't have to be. It's sort of like this hybrid thing. I like Blue Wallet. I've used it. I use LN Strike a lot more now. Uh, but since I can connect Blue Wallet to my node and I have Lightning Network on my node, there's no reason that I can't use it. But see, here's the thing. Yet another weapon. I said it at the top of the story here, but still yet another weapon. Blue Wallet all in itself. Multi-sig. The wallet itself. The fact that I can connect it to my node, you know, or my my Bitcoin full node. All of these are all of these are weaponry. Okay. Sometimes we look at them as, oh, it's a neat new trick, and we can do this and we can do that. And oh, look, look at this bip and look at that bip. I no longer look at this stuff as like neat little toys. I now look at this as an arsenal. And I hate to just continuously come back to the to the ideas of weaponry, warfare, and you know, bodies and shit blowing up. I, I don't want to do it. It's just that I don't see any way out. I, I don't. I, I, the fight's coming. But the fight already came to Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong because he lost 5% of his workforce over the political speech ban. Robert Stevens is writing this for Decrypt.co. Thank God for the humor. Uh, he wrote this on October the 8th. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong today announced that 5% of employees or 60 of the 1,200 who work for the San Francisco-based exchange opted for an exit package after he said last week that the firm's employees should separate politics from work. More still may leave the company. Uh, at, oh, sorry. More still may leave as the company wraps up discussions with some employees. In a Coinbase blog post today, the contents of which were emailed to employees earlier in the day, Armstrong said he could have done a better job bringing the operating group and managers along on this clarification of our culture so everyone was prepared before it went out to a wider group. I'm going to just pause to say something about corporate culture. You don't design it. Those that try end up with a failed corp corptocracy for a lack of a better term. It doesn't mean that the corporation fails. Now, Coinbase is probably going to be fine. We're going to have to live with this pile of garbage for a long time. Okay. No, it's like Whole Foods had the same thing. They tried to integrate you into this clearly manufactured corporate culture of hippiness and food porn. And it just doesn't work. A true corporate culture that works, the only kind that can work is one that's been developed by everybody that works there, including the top brass all the way down to the freaking janitors. You don't construct culture. Culture constructs itself, and if you do it any other way, you are doing it wrong. <clears throat> Armstrong came under fire from employees in June after he refused to share his views on Black Lives Matter, causing employee walkouts 
On September the 27th, Armstrong told employees that Coinbase is a mission-focused company. This means its employees should focus on building the company's cryptocurrency exchange. It also meant that the firm should only advocate for policy around crypto rather than extraneous social issues such as healthcare or education, for example. Quote, we don't engage here when issues are unrelated to our core mission because we believe impact only comes with focus, end quote. Armstrong said that those from minority groups, quote, have not taken the exit package in numbers disproportionate to the overall population. Yeah, He's got a comment on race, even though he doesn't want to comment on race. Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter and noted Bitcoin supporter, swung at Armstrong on September the 30th with a tweet with uh, the rejoinder that crypto is inherently unavoidably political since it distributes to the masses, power usually held by banks or governments. Quote, yes, we're okay being political about this one particular area because it relates to our mission, said Armstrong today in his email. Armstrong also, or sorry, well, Armstrong also said that employees won't have to pretend politics don't exist and ask them to use good judgment when making sense of this admittedly blurry line. And Coinbase just doesn't stand for profit, he said, but for accomplishing the mission and to keep its employees happy. However, this mission can only be accomplished through growing revenue and profit. Profit, bro. Quote, while having team members leave is never easy, I think we will emerge as a more aligned company from this, he said. With dissenters gone, survivorship bias may play a helping hand. <laughs> oh, man, sir. Oh, God. Oh, uh, so what to say about this? Well, you know, I if it was my company, I'd be like, you can say, I guess you can say whatever you want, but if for whatever reason I, you know, find that there's going to be like a, you know, like dipping revenue because of it, you're gone. Not because you said anything political, but because you caused, you caused loss. I, I'm not just not going to work with people that cause loss. That's just stupid. And then you got, you know, Jack Dorsey way on the other hand, who's saying it's inherently political. No, it's not inherently political. I mean, it's not inherent. I don't inherently, when I make a Bitcoin transaction, the only politics being made is that I'm stabbing the heart of the beast. That's the only politics I give a shit about at this point. Somewhere in between these two standpoints is the truth. It's not purely political. It's not purely profit. Humans are humans. Humans are going to human. They're just going to do it. Again, if you're going to try to construct a corporate culture, you're going to fail. If you're going to stop a human from humaning, you're going to fail. If you construct a situation where people can feel safe, okay, I, I'm good with that, even though that that's a little, that's a little tree huggery, but I don't want to create somewhere where people don't feel safe. I mean, that's stupid as well. So there. There's no win here, is what I'm saying. There's just no win, okay? So be careful. Um, and this guy needs to be careful, apparently. Uh, Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi or, you know, Y-F-I, the whole Andre Cronje thing. Apparently, he's disappeared, okay? And there, Samuel Haig is wondering if love will bring him back. He's writing for Cointelegraph sometime earlier today. 
top Yearn finance developer Andre Kronje has disappeared from social media due to death threats, and now the community is posting love letters to entice him back. Yearn finance developer has dropped out of public view because he was receiving the death threats. Kronje said he had received a variety of threats after investors raced into his unfinished and unreleased protocol, Eminence, or EMM, which was then exploited and then drained to $15 million in late September. Remember, that happened in like 48 hours or something like that. The incident transpired while Kronje was sleeping, and he woke up to discover that half of the funds had mysteriously been sent to him by the hacker. Kronje has not been active on social media since September the 29th, when he published his roadmap for refunding eminence investors the $8 million. He noted criticism of the public nature of this Twitter account, and the public nature of my ETH address. And then they give the quote. I won't go back into that. I already covered it. On October the 9th, fellow urine developer Banteg addressed Kronje's silence, posting, quote, Andre said he won't be tweeting anymore. People got what they asked for, end quote. Oh, poor boy. Wee. Speaking to Cointelegraph, Banteg confirmed the threats Kronje had received were serious. Quote, Andre has gone quiet because he has been receiving death threats, end quote. The developer noted that the actions of the DeFi community amid the imminence fall or fallout has had a significant impact on how he views the community, stating, quote, crypto community at large has always been childish and irresponsible, which is why you prey on them, which is the reverse of what Andre has been preaching. The witch hunt is something else. Uh, the last week has been very demoralizing, end quote. Another quote, I try to look through the noise and keep building. Being around builders helps to level the energy sucked out by other people, he added. Cronje's disappearance from social media has prompted the urine community to start a love letters to Andre thread to show their support for the developer. The thread has so far garnered more than two dozen posts in less than 24 hours using what is going on, wrote, quote, we probably should be talking to our families, but instead many of us are taking the time to write a message on a governance forum to a smart contract developer we've never met. There's something special going on here, and you kicked it all off. Oh, God, that's sad. User Jar Jar added, This whole Emin thing was a blessing in disguise. Kill all the hype off. Cleanse the community of some price-obsessed degenerates and let the focus return to the building of products in the long-term community. <laughs> Idiot. Wi-Fi was one of the top-performing markets amid the... Um, uh, Q, what the Q 2020 DeFi bubble, what, what quarter? I, okay, whatever. With the token gaining more than 900% in the month of August alone to post an all time high of more than $43,500 four weeks ago, Wi-Fi has since shed two third of its value with the token consistently trading downwards since the imminence drama. <coughs> Sorry, not quite over it, but really close. The cold, I mean, not Wi-Fi. This, I mean, whoever got wrecked by that is going to be living with it for the rest of their lives. So many people went all in. I mean, you know, again, the, the whole thing reminds me of 2017. And if you weren't around in those times, you're, if you weren't around in those times, this is what it was. This is exactly what it was. You're, you're like, if you just came in, if you just entered the space, like, let's say six months ago, Okay, this is your first stripe 
as, you know, as a, a warrior upon the field of battle, to keep with my theme of the day, um, you're seeing exactly what we saw. I saw it in, in 2017, well, 2016, 20, okay, honestly, 2015, 2016, 2017, it's still going on. All, we had a major drop off uh, on the ICO sham show in 2018, but they're still occurring. But then DeFi comes up, and this is exactly, to the letter, it's, exa- it's playing out exactly as the ICO stuff did in 2017, 2018, okay? So this is your first stripe. You will be able to tell your uh, grandchildren that sit upon your knee what you did during the, what, the whole DeFi debacle. And the child on your, on your right playing with the truck down on the floor will say, fucking legend. No, seriously, they actually will. A version of Bitcoin's lightning has unknown vulnerability. Newly discovered potential exploits affect older versions of lightning network daemon software, said Lightning Labs. Okay, this is about older stuff, so don't get your panties in a twist yet. Liam Frost is going to tell us about this, and he's doing it for Decrypt.co. Previously unknown vulnerabilities have been discovered in older versions of the lightning network daemon or Damon, however you pronounce it, it's the LND, a full node implementation of Bitcoin's second layer solution, Lightning Network, according to an announcement published today by Connor Fromnecht, head of cryptographic engineering at Lightning Labs. Hey, Connor, I'm going to have to give you a follow. Per the post, the vulnerability affects LND versions 0.10.x and below, okay, below. To safeguard themselves from these exploits, users should upgrade their software to LND 0.11.0 or higher as soon as possible, the announcement stressed. There's no reason to read any more of this particular story. You need to know that that any version of 0.10.x and below are all vulnerable, okay? If you haven't upgraded your node or you don't know what version you're using, you need to upgrade that thing right now. Okay. It doesn't matter what the vulnerability is. It doesn't matter how, you know, what you could lose. You need to quit all that shit and get off your ass and make damn sure that your lightning network daemon software is at 0.11.0 or above. That's it. That's all. And this is why I update. And I do. I, I update my node. Uh, my <clears throat> my node BTC is the people that provide the software for my node. They also provide me the updates on a one button click because I paid them 99 bucks because I wanted to support that crew. And honestly, it updates everything. I mean, when they put together their update release, it's like it's it can be it can be anything from just a simple bug fix in one of one of the things that they offer. Or it could be bug fixes to something that the developers of the things that they include in my node, because they include a raft of software in that thing, that updates that they've made. And several times I've seen it where it damn near updates a whole, you know, almost like 50% of it, like a new, you know, the Bitcoin full node implementation gets updated. The lightning network daemon gets updated, like two or three of the wallets get updated and then they throw in some bug fixes. So it, this is one of the reasons why I paid the $99 uh, to support those guys is because it also gives me that one button update. Otherwise I'd have to do it all manually and I don't want to do it all manually. 
Uh, last one for the day, Shenzhen to hand out 10 million digital yuan in currency giveaway. Welcome, China, to Bread and Circus. How we doing? Helen Part's going to tell us how China is doing. She did it three hours ago for Cointelegraph.com. The major Chinese city of Shenzhen is launching a pilot program to promote the digital yuan with a public giveaway. Circus Circus never looks so good. In collaboration with the country's central bank, Shenzhen is planning to distribute a total of 10 million digital yuan, or about $1.5 million U.S. China's central bank digital currency is the digital yuan, okay? Says the local news agency Sina Finance on October the 9th. As reported, the giveaway pilot will be funded by Shenzhen's Lohu District. The giveaway money will be reportedly distributed to 50,000 recipients through a lottery. Shenzhen residents can start applying online to participate in the giveaway on October the 9th. Hold it right there. It's a lottery that you apply for online. You just got your ass KYC. They're going to know it. This is to those coins are fucking tagged. I guarantee it. And they're going to be looking through their software to see where it goes. That's what this whole thing is, right? They're using their own residents, their own people, their, their very own sons and daughters as vectors to find out apparently what's more important, the markets, not the humans. Humans will make their own markets. You don't need to worry about that shit. But when you care more about the markets to the point that you're using your residence as the injection point so that you can track how this shit travels, then you are evil and you must die. Continuing, according to the report, each gift will be worth 200 renminbi and can be spent starting from October the 12th and October the 18th at any of 3,389 merchants in Shenzhen's Luhou district. Or sorry, Luho. Luhu? L-U-O-H-U. I don't know how to pronounce it. According to the rules of use, the rules of use. Oh my God. According to the rules of use, the gift money cannot be transferred to another person or redeemed in one's own bank account, the report notes. The unused amount will be reportedly taken back from winners after October the 18th, if not spent. It's the fucking Hunger Games, guys. The new pilot is part of the Chinese government's plan to promote the digital wand to the public. Also known as the Digital Currency Electronic Payment, or DCEP, the digital wand project piloted in China in April 2020. As reported by Cointelegraph, it is currently being tested in nine cities, including Shenzhen, Guangzhou, as well as Hong Kong and Macau. China's CBDC pilots or pilots seem to be progressing apace. On October the 5th, PBOCs, the People's Bank of China, <laughs> there's no, no people about that, by the way, the PBOC's Deputy Governor Fan Yifai <laughs> announced the DCEP wallets processed 1.1 billion renminbi, which is $162 million U.S., in transactions between April and August 2020. According to the official, China's government or sorry, China's central bank opened 113,300 personal digital wallets and 8,859 corporate digital wallets within the Digital Yuan Initiative. Guys, this is nothing but a tracking exercise. Look, you can lap point, go ahead. I'll give you free and clear, you know, you can just point and laugh at me. You make fun of me on Twitter for having the big tinfoil hat. 
But this is what I see. What I see is this is like, like, okay. There were, there have been several experiments done in the United States subway system where trackable powder was released in the subway system. I don't know. I ostensibly to see what would happen uh, if a biological contaminant was released in the subway system. How would it travel? They were able to scrape it off of every car. They, I mean, like, you know, one of the things that I'm trained in is geographic information systems. And when you get enough data, you can do a lot of tracking. And it doesn't have to be geographic. I mean, I'm also trained in bioinformatics. You know, how do genes travel from one organism to another? I mean, in, you know, you can do a lot of tracking when you've got the data, right? So what this is, is an experiment to find out where these coins go. This is why you can't deposit, deposit them in your bank account. This is why you can't transfer them to another person because it will pollute the data. That's what this is. This is a data gathering project and it's only going to cost them what? $1.5 million to put what? How many people? 50,000 people just got bought for $1.5 million and the amount of data that they're going to be able to harvest and the models that they will be able to construct will be worth billions, billions of dollars in U.S. money. This has to stop. This is the beast as well. I don't look at China's government any more favorably than I look at the United States government at this point. And it's not the Chinese people that I don't like. I, it's, it's not like I don't like people from Kentucky because I don't like the United States government. It has nothing to do with the people. The beast is not the people of the country. The beast is the government of all these countries. Now, I think what's going to end up happening is this. The FATF is going to shoot themselves right in the foot, but not before they shoot a lot of us. That's going to happen, okay? But they're going to end up shooting themselves in the foot with the whole non-cooperative country status. And you're going to get a whole bunch of countries, like maybe even the Balkans say, you, you, fine, we're not cooperating. We're non-cooperative. Leave us, leave us alone. It'll be, the regions, it'll be the regions in the world that actually have a shit ton of natural resources that won't be able to do that. Okay, so I'm not looking for Bitcoin development and, you know, like hyper-Bitcoinization to occur anywhere that has a shit ton of rare earth minerals, a bunch of gold, a bunch of diamonds, a shit ton of petroleum products. Um, what else? Oh, uh, and, and uh, well, any of the precious metals, including all the way down to damn copper, because copper is really important as, as, as an industrial metal. <clears throat> it also makes some, some very fine steampunk looking stuff, but whatever. I'm just saying that it's going to be the small, I'm looking at the Balkans. I really am. I'm looking at the Balkans. Somebody asked what would be the first country that is going to say, fuck it. We're going to start buying Bitcoin and announce that this is going to be part of our reserve status. I really believe it's going to be uh, one of the countries of the Balkans. I, 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 could I be wrong? Of course I could be wrong. Does it mean I'm going to be sad if I'm wrong? No, I'm not going to be sad. Fuck that shit. I got better things to do with my time. In either event, I'm looking at the Balkans. I'm looking at, at smaller countries that don't have a whole shit ton of, of rapeable materials. I hate to put it that way, but that's what it is. Countries that do will have to come in line with FATF. At one point or another, we've got to slay this beast. I don't know how. 
But I'm going to leave you with this on Fathom. Not that it's not that it'll work, but at least we've got to telegraph the message. If you're a United States, well, actually, it, if you can get in contact with whatever your elected official, and I'm holding up air quotes here, um, is, however that works, Senator, House of Representatives, your, your local guy, I don't know what it is in Switzerland, but if you can get in contact with them, tell them this. If you are up for election, and do this when they're running for election, okay? Like on their election cycle. Call their office, and you'll probably won't talk to them. You'll talk to an underling, but make sure that they pass on the message that if they support the Financial Action Task Force in any way, shape, or form, that you will not only not vote for them, but you will actively get other people to not vote for them too. It may not work, but you got to send a message sometime. You got to send it somewhere. You got to send it somehow. But the most important thing is that you send it. Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by Yelp. That's right. And this has nothing to do at all with Bitcoin, but they said something so infernally stupid and so race baiting that it has to be has to be today's daily train wreck. So here we go. This was written, when was it written? Oh, it was written yesterday, in fact, uh, at about 8.34 a.m. Oh, they started bright and early at 8.34, pissing off everybody. For those of you who don't know, Yelp is one of the online restaurant review places that allows restaurateurs to be destroyed without ever having to pay Yelp a dime. You don't, exactly, they can... You, Yelp allows any idiot to make anything that they want uh, made public about a restaurant review without that restaurant's permission, acceptance. Uh, they don't have to be part of Yelp. They don't, I mean, at least, at least let the restaurant say, hey, you can't write shit about me unless I actually join your Yelp club, which means that you want to participate in that, okay? But Yelp is one of the very worst things that ever occurred to the restaurant industry and to mom and pop stores. Okay, so what did they say? Well, they said this. It is three tweets. Today, we're announcing a new consumer alert to stand against racism. In the last few months, we've seen that there is a clear need to warn consumers about businesses associated with egregious racially charged actions to help people make more informed spending decisions. Communities have always turned to Yelp in reaction to current events, and our user operations team already places alerts on business pages when we notice an unusual uptick in reviews that are based on what someone may have seen in the news rather than on a firsthand experience. Now, when a business gains attention for reports of racist conduct, Yelp will place a new business accused of racist behavior alert on their Yelp page to inform users along with a link to a news article where they can learn more. You know, why don't you just take a can of yellow paint and, you know, paint fucking Star of David on their door. Germans did it with great effect. It made damn sure nobody ever visited those businesses. If you don't think that that's exactly what Yelp is doing right here, right now, then you are not paying attention. Again, 
This is the beast. It comes in many forms, but it is all one organism. To stab, to like, to go after Yelp is to may, and, and like, let's say you went after, okay, I'm going to fight the beast and I'm going to go after Yelp. You're, you're, all you're going to do is chop off the head of a many headed Hydra. And the Hydra supposedly has seven heads. Now, this one has an infinite amount of heads, more heads than you'd at least be able to account, uh, to be able to count for, right? So you don't stab or chop or slice at a head on this beast. You don't go for the head. You have to stop the heart. And the heart of all this is the financial system. The legacy financial system is the thing that's making all of this shit possible. It's the one that, it's the thing that enslaves us. That that beating heart that you hear every time you pay a bill, that thump in in the chest of the beast that makes sure that you know that it is your master every time you get a paycheck, and you have to use the financial system to get that paycheck into a format that you can then spend. Every single thump needs to be countered by every single block. Tick tock. Next block. I think that's either Guy Swan. Or Brady. Actually, I'm pretty sure it's Brady over at Citizen Bitcoin, one of my favorite podcasts, along with Guy Swan. I, the the uh, uh, Bitcoin Audible, which used to be the crypto economy, um, is also one of my favorites. TFTC, clearly, you know, one of my favorites. But dude, this Yelp shit, this situation, this literally is just painting the Star of David on the door of somebody who most likely didn't deserve it. Maybe they had a bad night in service. Somebody got pissed and said that they saw, you know, a black guy getting treated like shit and therefore they're going to get a racist, a racist mark. That mark is the star of David of Germany. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, this is all bullshit. Okay. It's getting bad. It's going to get worse. Get your full nodes up, get them running, learn how to use it. Get a wallet that connects to your node. Learn how to connect it. Learn how to use it. Learn how I'm gonna I'm gonna start learning PayJoin at this point and and get back to my blue wallet to see how all this shit's gonna work. I got to make sure I've I've got to make sure that I know how to get the safety off of my weapon like that. I got to be able to make sure that I level and and get good aim. I've got to be able to suck in my breath and and wait for the shot and make sure that that shot lands true. I think all of us are going to need to do this shit, okay? Because this is out of hand. This has become out of hand, and it needs to stop. It needs to stop now. I, okay, I'm channeling Alex Jones. Let's let's do a joke. Woo! Almost almost went over the hill on that one, guys. Sorry. Um. Okay. Dad says jokes. Robin, the Batmobile isn't starting. Batman, did you charge the battery? Robin, what the hell is a Turi? All jokes aside, none of this shit is funny. Okay, it's just not. Um, the good, all the good news is, you know, there, uh, there's plenty of it. I see, like. You know, companies like Citadel, well, I don't know if Citadel 21 could actually be considered a company right now, but they're going to end up being a company. Crypto Cloaks, 
they tweeted out a couple of pictures of their uh, their laboratory that they're or not laboratory, but their production facilities. And I think it's like six. It's at least three, if not six, three um, D printers, and they're doing good work. They're doing really, really good work. I'm I'm proud of them. I don't I don't know them personally. I bought some stickers from them. Okay, I'm probably going to buy more stuff from them. But they're out there. You know, Citadel 21, they're out there. Snap HQ, buying Bitcoin. Uh, Jack Dorsey, buying Bitcoin. You know, Michael Saylor, buying Bitcoin. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Right? The more vendors, the more, yeah, I'll say it, corporations, the more companies that we can get to come over on this side of the wall, that's going to be necessary, okay? It's just, it is. You may not like it, but it's going to be necessary because you're going to leverage their legal teams when the shit hits the fan because the shit's going to hit the fan. And in the meantime, the shit's going to hit the fan on us because we, like, as I'm running a full node, am I a VASP? Will I shut my node down? I have to make this decision. Is it worth going? I mean, if they, if, if it becomes draconian, what will I do? Is there a way, and I'll put it, put it out there. Is there a way to operate a node from a remote location? I, well, actually I know there is, but is there a protocol for a good, very hidden way to make sure that your node is operating and can never be found and has failover? I need a failover node in case one is found in the rafters of, I don't know, let's say that I'm installing Dish Network again and decide to, I don't know, gorilla my way into the <laughs> into their uh, router by horking some of their data uh, to run a Bitcoin full node. A data stream, by the way, which will never, honestly, by the homeowner would never be noticed. Why? Because we fought for smaller blocks. Because we didn't go big block. That's how they will get all the other forks. The big block forks, they're, they're toast. If you're holding Bcash or BSV or any of that bullshit, you are toast because the amount of data is going to be clearly, clear, clearly witnessable by all those that are enemies of what we're trying to do. So, you know, it'd be neat to just be able to take a little, like, Raspberry Pi 4 and a one terabyte hard drive that, you know, next year will probably cost next to nothing. Set the, let's say I can set the whole thing up for under a hundred bucks and just nail it to a fucking rafter behind something in somebody's house and plug that son of a bitch in over and it's operating over Tor through their router and injects truth into the system, even though that they don't know that it's, be, that it's happening. Would I be unethical by doing that? What if they got in trouble? What if somehow or another they were found out? You see where this is going? We can't let this happen. You have to do something. I am trying to do something. I may not be effective at it, but shit, at least I'm giving it a fucking shot. But this shit needs to end. We have been enslaved for so fucking long that we don't think of ourselves as slaves anymore. We think of ourselves as a free people and we're not. Honestly, if you were to step back and take a good, hard look at reality, how could you possibly even think that we were free? That we've ever been free past the first four or five years of the installation of the Constitution of the United States if you're an American citizen? 
Has anybody ever really been free? Were we even free then? You know, all that's what Bitcoin has done for me. Everything is now called into question. I trust nothing. I, well, I, I would say I trust nobody, but actually I do. There are good people that I know that I can trust. All of, you know, my family being one, good friends being another. I don't have to worry about that part, but I don't trust a single thing that any government says. And any government that would allow themselves, well, you know where I'm going to go with this after I say it, but any government that would allow themselves to be told what to do by a non-elected government, non-governmental body such as the FATF, the FATF, should literally be overthrown immediately. But we know that that's not what's happening. The U.S. installed FATF along with the European Union, probably maybe even the African Union. We, I don't know. But that shit was installed by the, com- the countries that say that they are member countries. Okay, so when we bitch about how FATF can tell us what to do in the United States, it's not FATF telling us what to do. It's what the leaders of the United States, the UK, I don't know, maybe even a little bit of China. Who knows? I don't when China says that they don't have any dealings with the West. That's bullshit that they, you know, oh, well, China doesn't have anything to do with FATF. I think that's bullshit. I automatically don't trust that statement. Neither should you. I am clearly running long. It's Friday. Don't let any of the shit that I've told you today stop you from doing the things that you need to do. Stop you from learning the things that you need to learn. Okay? You know what you need to learn. Spend the weekend to figure out how you're going to learn it and start Monday morning learning it. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.